Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. Sergeant Butterman. <laughs> the little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Oh, you started, didn't you? Of course. Are we rolling? We screwed up. Do you want to count us in? Let's see. Let's, yeah, we're still going to do it. All right, do it. Ready? Uh-huh. Three, two, one. Hello. <laughs> Where were you? I was there. Oh, really? You yeah. cut out on my hand. No, it's no, no. Like I was, was totally there. Solo. <laughs> that would be great. In fact, inspiration, I'm going to mute myself in the final track. <laughs> oh, yeah. Evil. Hello. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Are you, at last week's show, how do you feel about it? Good. <laughs> Great. Do you? Do you feel good about it? You bet. It was good. It was uh we 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 were not drinking, which is weird because it <laughs> sounded like we were. Especially toward the end there wasn't a lot there. It's like we totally lost the thread. But we were having a good time. Is that is that what that's called? We quoted a lot. I actually ended up cutting some of the quotes. Because they were, it, the show was significantly longer than it needed to be. <laughs> I, I, I found, I rarely we, find myself getting like self-conscious about these things because I put out a lot of drivel. I really do. The bar is pretty low in terms of the drivel factor. In my, in my illustrious podcasting career, I have put out a lot of drivel. So I try not to think about that stuff, but wow. It was, there was just long spaces of silence and then, oi, prick. <laughs> and <laughs> oh that's awesome it was it was so good. awesome do you see anything we're gonna yet? have to release like the uh the extended cut that's right this will be days. the director's cut <laughs> so people can hear all of the all of those little wonderful i only, tidbits no, I only cut missed. mine i didn't cut any of yours because they were yours were all good <laughs> they're all perfect perfect oh of course of yeah. course they were yeah we uh did you have you seen anything uh that's worth talking about uh well i don't know if it's worth talking about i took my daughter to the lorax oh see i'm supposed to know about that you're supposed to know that yeah. i saw it or no 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 i'm just supposed, supposed to, to know about it. that film i'm supposed to know some things about that film i, I don't i know it's it's a susical <laughs> something it it's definitely more a susical than horton hears a who was you didn't like that, huh? I didn't like the Lorax. It's very, um, you know, okay. So there's a few issues I have with it. One, the songs were just horrid. I don't know why they felt like they had to try making it a musical, but it just didn't work. Two, the the story that takes place in the present day in Thneedville with Zac Efron and, you know, his family 
and him wooing this girl was just it just was silly and it it really felt it seemed to kind of distract from the the main point of the film which was the story of the Lorax and uh the Onceler um and, but you know just there's so many things about it that just didn't work and it's just it's small things like you know the Onceler which I think was a great Seuss name for this mysterious character that lives in this, you know, tower. And his name is the Onceler, not because that's his name, but they call him that because something happened once upon a time sort of thing to him. Uh, at least that was the impression I always had from the book. But in the movie, no, his name is actually Oncey. That's what his mom calls him. Are you kidding? Oncey. No, no. That's what she calls him Oncey because that's his name. And well, that's so, a horrible idea. Oh, it's atrocious. It's like, come on. You know, use some imagination and really come up with something unique about that idea of him being the Onceler. You know, it's just lots of little things like that. I just didn't care about the whole Zac Efron character. He Like, the whole his whole motivation to to find the seed to the last tree was just all motivated by a girl. And he just, you know, he only seemed to care about the fact that it was the last tree because the story told him that he needed to care. You know, there was really no real motivation behind it. It just, mm. it, the whole thing felt that way. Um, the most interesting part for me was, I think the Lorax, which surprised me because Danny DeVito, um, you know, he's either hot or cold for me. And, yeah. and he's, and uh, I, w I didn't think I would like him as the Lorax, but I actually, like, he was the one thing that I think I liked. So anyway, that's, that's uh, probably too much talk about the Lorax. Well, you know, it's a Seussical. A lot well, of people me, like it. I'm, it I, I'd like to know, I'd like to know what you, uh, where, where you stand on John Carter. I don't know where I stand on John Carter. It's one of those movies where I, I, I've never been interested ever since I saw the trailers. No trailer has excited me. But, really? Yeah, they've not excited me at all. But, you know, the last, you know, I think when I took my daughter to Star Wars, they had a trailer and I was like, you know, maybe this would be a fun one to see with her. And then I'm just like, you know, I don't know if it's going to be good for her. She's getting bored through all these, you know, kind of, sci-fi adventure films i just don't think she's really that into it yet so i don't know if i will see it wow yeah man i think you should see it well but see you've got a five-year-old boy no but i no, i'm you know it's it's a big sci-fi movie i can't believe you're getting all freaky about a big sci-fi this is kind of your thing it's like right in your wheelhouse well <sighs> Kind of. I mean, it's it's forty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It doesn't speak well. The movie is not out yet. Yeah, but all the critics have reviewed it. Like it's I, ever since I saw it, it looked just completely silly, and I've always had a hard time buying into the concept. Now, I've never read the book. I have no idea if it's accurate or not, but it just has always looked just kind of silly to me. And I, it still looks silly. And I have a feeling if I watch it, I'm going to walk out going, ugh, you know, that was really silly. I'm, 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 I don't know what to say. I'm a little, <laughs> a little depressed. 
I oh, thought you were going to be in this with me. Like, I'm excited about this movie. I, are you? I have also not read the book. The book was uh, A Princess of Mars, uh, released in 1917 by the great Edgar Rice Burroughs. And uh, it, it is, it is, you know, it's one of those, man, it's one of those books that, uh, you know, it, it's, 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 everything else becomes derivative from, you know, some concept in this book, everything that has come since. Yeah. And they play that up, I think, a little bit too much. But but really, I mean, the the book is, is uh, you know, it's a milestone in, in some of the, the sci-fi visioning. I think they've had to play that up because it looks so silly. I think they're trying to get people excited by going, this is where the ideas for Star Wars came from. You know, they're 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 pumping it so people go, ooh. I don't know. I have a I have a feeling that it's going to be a huge bomb. Oh man. That's yeah. going to make me sad. <laughs> it's going to make me sad because uh uh, mostly because I'm such a fan of Andrew Stanton. Yeah. And I, I want him to really succeed. Well, and I do too. Doesn't sound like yeah. it. No, I do. Doesn't know. I just, doesn't know. I would... It doesn't sound like you're on Team Stanton. <laughs> I, I'm on Team Stanton Pixar. They, what is that? That's not even a thing. It's <sighs> Disney now. We've moved on. Uh he uh you know he he knows how to tell the great pixar stories and this i don't know i don't know i just don't know what to say about it i just it just doesn't look exciting to me at all it looks just so over the top in every way all right maybe i'll sneak out and watch it and surprise you who knows <laughs> unreal this is behind such uh, there's such good people behind this movie i know but that doesn't mean it's going to be good Michael Chabon. Yeah. Michael Chabon. Is that how you say his name? That's how I say his name. Chabon. Chabon. He right. did The Cavalier in Clay. What a great book that was. He wrote this thing. Yeah. With what's his nut? Uh, Mark Andrews. I don't know Mark Andrews. What has Mark Andrews done? He's done a lot. He did Iron Giant. Yeah. He was a storyboard guy. Uh, and Star Wars Clone Wars, which I have to tell you, I'm still on the... Uh, I'm still on the pro side of the Clone Wars, the uh, TV show. Well, TV that's series. good. I I'm I need to move on from this because I'm I, I'm going to get roped into talking more about this movie, and and it's well, not my job to sway you. If you want to be on the wrong side of this argument, that's fine. <laughs> I'm on the wrong. You're side You're on the wrong of the side force. of history here. Uh, and let that's me okay. tell you. Let me tell you something that will excite you, though. Do since I since yeah. I just uh, pooped in your lemonade. <laughs> I don't I'm not think, even sure if that's appropriate to no, say. I don't think uh, I don't think grown men say poop. <laughs> you have five year olds. Okay, all right. Like all that there's comes a, out of your mouth. There's a window when poop is appropriate. Yes, I give you that. And I, I'm living that window. Because your um, wait, your son is how old now? My son is one and a half. My yeah, so you've got your daughter's five. So you've got you've got a few years, but then I want poop excised completely from your phone. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> okay, go ahead. What are you gonna tell me? I started watching The Walking Dead. Yes, you did. Oh, uh, finally. I'm only four episodes in, but it's uh it's it's good stuff. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I you know, I told you I've watched, I've I've read all the comics now and I'm caught up on season two. Season two has some growing pains i'm not gonna lie to you there's some slow moments but when it comes back with the uh, fast moments 
they're really really good is season two as as brief as season one no i think it's a double it's a 13 i think it's 13 episodes okay so it's more of a full season yeah the um does do they answer the uh, there was two questions that i had that were brought up in so far that i am a little irritated i'm not irritated but i'm hoping that they get answered because i don't they feel like big holes that shouldn't be there one why did nobody else go get all those guns out of the police station like why were they all still sitting in the police station when he went to get them okay has that been answered no okay and two (laughs) (laughs) let let it go let that one go i will try all right and two how did he survive living uh like in a coma in the hospital for so long with i mean apparently no one taking care of him yeah yep okay that you're gonna you're gonna i don't i'm 96% 96% sure that the answer is not going to be satisfying for you. Oh, but at least they answer it? But they do They do talk about it. Oh, okay. They do well, play that still... out. There's a flashback that comes up where that actually shows how he ended up being uh, left there. Gotcha. Uh, so stay stay tuned on that one. Good, good. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's. I mean, it's a good show. I, anything with zombies is always fun. And... Ugh, huge fan, huge fan. I am about ready to kick into uh, Game of Thrones. Ah, oh, that's another one. I, I'm torn with that one as to whether I should just watch the series or if I should just pick up the books and read them. Well, I have the I, I have been gunning through the I'm halfway through the the book on Audible, and I listen to it on you know, like two and a half speed. Right. So it's all very very fast, and then everybody stops and has sex. <laughs> and uh, and it's really great. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's definitely like soap opera for dudes. Huh. Nice. It's it's good, but uh, I just found out, you know, today, uh, that it was available in iTunes, um, and so I'm pretty excited about that. I didn't know I I didn't actually know that season one had come out. I guess now that season two is either coming or out, uh, they put season one in iTunes. So You've gotten it out there, yeah. Yeah, I'm come. I'm pretty stoked about that. That's uh, that's gonna be big. Well, speaking of soap opera for dudes, I suppose we should talk about the movie uh, Hot Fuzz, huh? Is that what? Oh, that's totally why we why we're here. Uh, hey, before we do though, Sergeant Butterman, do your spiel. Well, you do. Where can people find you? Let's start with that. Where do you uh, want people to the find the movie you? monkey on the Twitter? Where did that come from? The movie monkey. I don't know. Actually, you just it was it just random characters that happened to land in. The right order. I actually used a Ouija board, and I said, "What should I use?" And the spirit of the Ouija board told me the spirit of the Ouija board. So maybe uh, it's it's an evil uh, name that I've chosen. I don't know. Oh goodness! Maybe it was the spirit of Ralph McQuarrie. Oh, I just used sad. his name in vain. That was not cool. Oh, sad. <laughs> I miss him. I miss him already. And um, and, and Robert Sherman. Yeah, it was, a, it was kind of a sad week. It was a sad week. Yeah. Well, they would want us to move on. Yes, they would. Uh, make sure, You can find well, me at Pete Wright on the Twitter, and I encourage you to do so. If you're just interested in show updates, you can follow Rash Pixel uh, on Twitter or Rash find uh, do a search for Rash Pixel on uh, Google Plus or 
Facebook. That's where I, I end up posting essentially a duplicate of the website. Um, so if, if your primary channel is Facebook or Google Plus or Twitter, go there and you'll get the links as the shows hit. Um, let's see. Uh, so at Pete Wright, at Rashpixel, go to Rashpixel.tv for the website. And uh, finally, uh, uh, iTunes. Make sure you, you hit us up in iTunes. Uh, subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode. Uh, you can search for Rashpixel and see all the Rashpixel shows or just uh, movies we like and jump right to it. Leave us a review if you have a um, if you have a, a, an interest. We would love to, to hear your thoughts, and, and we love talking about you. Uh, you know, when we broadcast. Uh, you can also hear our shows on the go while uh, using Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, if you have an iPhone, an iPad, an Android phone, a Kindle Fire, and more on demand, on the go, downloading ZZ, go to Stitcher.com and check out your favorite app store, Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Lovely. The little hand says the... it's time to rock and roll. <laughs> Okay, so we're we're doing uh, this the second in the trilogy, <laughs> the second in the two film trilogy of uh, uh, of uh, I don't what is it called again? You already you gave it up. The uh, three flavors Cornetto. Cornetto trilogy. So this was the blue Cornetto. This was the blue Cornetto, right? Right. All right. Which is uh yes, Cornetto are like we said last week are the little drumstick ice creams. Right. But uh, the, this one has the blue ice cream flavor, the original flavor. Blue for the police. Uh, what do you think of this movie? I love it in tell so me, many ways. Tell me why you love this movie. So this, this is a movie that... Uh, this, is, this is, I think, the movie, I should say, that I put in more often than any other movie just because... I can just put it on and just I know that if I'm walking around the house doing chores or whatever, any given moment I can catch the screen and just be completely happy that, you know, they had a great line, a great moment, just fantastic bits happening at all times. I love it. Really? Yeah. Man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give this film uh, more credit. You're, I mean, you're probably, okay, you're probably right. Uh, and I should watch it more because I think I'm, I really enjoy the film. It's obviously a film I like and I like talking about it. I, I am surprised to hear you watch it like that. It's just so easy. It's so easy to watch. It is know? easy to watch. Uh, and but yes, the, it does get a little, it does get a little fat around the middle. Um, you know, but then but, the guy's head explodes. Yeah, there's just so many great things happening in the movie oh and it's just All like right. constantly there's lines there are so many references to just so many other films and all of the the cliches that they so willingly glom onto to uh to pay homage to all those fantastic cliches through you know countless action films from the 80s okay. 90s whenever and i have a list of cliches that i wrote while i watched it and i'm going to read them at some point before we're done here oh i look <laughs> i really i uh, really and i'm sure i speak for everyone listening we all look forward to that <laughs> yes here's the thing so this movie uh did very well uh at 91 approval rating on rotten tomatoes uh 81 out of 100 on metacritic it's it's uh people seem to like this movie Came out in two thousand seven. 
Yeah, it did well at the box office. You know, it um, domestically it made just under twenty four million worldwide, of eighty million or so. Yeah, and uh, then on DVD, it uh, I think it grossed another like thirty three million or something. So it did good it's for itself on a little on a budget of sixteen million. And it's all the same, the same lot. Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright directing. Uh, and Simon Pegg uh, joining him to write Simon Pegg in the starring role of Nicholas Angel, Nick Frost, uh, Nick Frost. Who uh, this is in one of my favorite favorite line uh, passages uh, in the Wikipedia write up. To prepare for their roles in the film, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost had to follow certain requirements. Pegg's contract stated that he had to adopt a strict diet and use three personal trainers to prepare him for the physically demanding scenes in the film. Frost was asked by Wright and Pegg to watch around 20 action films to warm him up for his role as a police officer, but he decided to only watch Bad Boys 2. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's I love so that. Awesome. It is so perfect. And, uh, uh, it, you know, the, from the way I understand from, uh, you know, uh, researching the film, it, it looks like uh, that they, they came up with uh, a list of over 140 films. Uh, that they they watched and researched for dialogue and and tone, uh, all of the the uh, the greatest police action films are on the list. Yeah, everything from Point Blank, Point Break, Bad Boys, Bad Boys Two, Kung Fu, Man on Fire, the Lethal Weapon series, the Die Hard series, the Dirty Harry series, Miami Vice, Silent Rage, uh, The Wicker Man. I mean, it's endless, yeah. the number of films they watch. And then directors, like all the directors they're paying homage to, like Tony Scott, John Woo, Quentin Tarantino, Michael Bay, Joel Silver, uh, producer Jerry Bruckheimer, Brian De Palma, Dario Argento, Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, it's it's but, insane. But mostly Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay. Richard Donner. Yeah. <laughs> and Richard Donner. Well, Tony Scott, actually, yeah. I think, is, is, is uh, one that they reference all the time. It's uh, it, it really it does for uh, police action movies what Shaun of the Dead did for zombie horror romance movies. It's you know people uh, I think some people um, call this a parody or a spoof of of uh, the cop action movies, but I think that is completely uh, incorrect because a parody or a spoof you know, is really people who are looking outside of a genre, making fun of it and, and making fun of all of those, you know, the cliches and the things that you expect, like the, um, the scary movie series, which was kind of spoofing every right. horror movie there was. Um, however, uh, an homage is a film that's really more, um, uh, paying respect to, all of those films and these are these are fans of these films they're not making fun of them edgar wright simon Pegg, everybody involved love these films as as cheesy as they are they love that cheese and they are doing everything they can to make exactly like a, a perfect homage to all of those films I mean, it's it's genius. I love it. You know, I think that might be where I started having trouble with with the movie. Like, and and this is, I, I absolutely acknowledge that it's the result of knowing that I'm going to sit down and talk to you and have to somehow talk to you seriously about this movie. Uh, <laughs> that I think about it at this level. Before I started thinking about it, I really liked it, and then I started thinking about it. And that's uh, y the problem is these characters 
the actors who are playing these characters, you know, in, in particularly Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, um, they're not, uh, you know, Will Smith and, oh, what's his name? Martin Lawrence? Yeah, they're not Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. No. They don't, they, they uh, you know, I, I, I love bad boys. <laughs> I love bad boys. What you gonna do? Uh, I know I love those movies, but it's just like sometimes I totally buy Simon Pegg as a badass uh, police officer, and sometimes I feel like he's lampooning the genre. Hmm. It goes back and forth. Most of the time, I really like it, but yeah. but sometimes I feel like that might be why I I uh, I'm a little bit lukewarm on on the movie. But one of the things you can't. Uh, really argue i feel like you can't really argue is that these guys like you say are fans that they they were uh invested in this the the action police buddy movie genre i mean they were in it but it felt it's it, it, they were in it so much that it felt like they were in it like 13 year olds in the backyard you know <laughs> well but at this, I guess what we have to also acknowledge is while they're paying an homage to these films, they're also making a comedy. Yes. Just like they did with Shaun of the Dead. Well, and you know, that's where it really works, right? Yeah. It's it's the homage, yet it's also it's a comedic homage to them. There is a lot of funny in this movie. And just when you are getting in the, the swing of the funny, something really horrific happens. Right. Right. Something that but is just over the nauseating. Top horrific. Over, over the totally top horrific. Totally over the top horrific. Yeah. Uh, I think the first bit of horrificness comes at, at right about 38 minutes. Let me scrub to that. I think you're about right. Uh, what do you. So. Theater. Yeah. So give me some sense of your. Uh, what's your take on the, on the general um, sort of tone of the horrificness? How does it work to support the, this comedy? I mean, I think it's exactly, I mean, it, it definitely is over the top. It's very bloody, very gory. I mean, a lot of heads are removed from their bodies in one way or another. Uh, well, I guess, you know, two, two or three heads maybe, yeah. but you know, a lot of, a lot of people die horrific ways in this film, but it's all done in such a over the top way. I mean, just ridiculous amounts of blood uh, the the deaths themselves are so you know kind of just big that it doesn't end up being like you're watching saw like you're watching you know torture porn it's done in a very over the top yes it's very bloody but it is it's it still has kind of a humor to it the, at least i think yeah no i i think you're uh, i think you're right i think they if you're going to make a movie like this and it's going to you're going to try to be funny you you have to you have to go over the top with the with the gore yeah uh to to actually make it fit at all it, it's um yeah that ends up i think working really well it's just when you you sort of need that uh that emotional bump yeah uh, i think it's paced very very well so that first one is the theater they where we lose the heads of the um, actor and his mistress who with mm. the horrible laugh <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, I'm trying to think, but the second one is uh, what? Uh, Goodness. The, sec the second one is the uh, is the 
Did you just get a call? Is that the thing? Somebody got trying to get a hold of you? My phone is just telling me I got a text or something. I don't know. Um, my the second one is the um, oh, it's the it's the head the, popping on the church at the church. Is that the second one? I thought the second one was the uh, the big house, the guy with the big house who gets blown up. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. He yeah. Um, it is. And that, that happens actually only about 10 minutes later. Right. Uh, and then uh, 10 minutes after that, we have my favorite one. So this is where that's the, the, head. the steeple uh, is pushed <laughs> off the top of the church. And that's another, that's only, that's literally another 10 minutes later. Yeah. That's remarkably well paced. It is. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, and, and so it falls off. His, and it literally, you have to, when you watch this, you have to frame by frame it. Uh, because watching the the amount of blood <laughs> that comes out of this poor chap's head is stunning. It's like it's it's like it's actually pouring raining blood. And they do actually, you know, we've talked about this idea of breaking the fourth wall uh, with gore before. Yeah. I, what were we talking? What was the movie? Uh, was one of the um, was it? It was uh, Raiders. One of the Raiders. It was the uh, no. It was the termite yeah. scene or the ant, the, the killer crystal ant skull. scene, yeah, crystal right. skull, uh, where they broke the broke the fourth wall, and you got all feisty about that. You didn't like that a bit. Uh, but yeah, here but they do it. This is the one scene they do it where you actually get the blood on the on the. Lens. I don't think this is the one scene. I think they do it multiple times. I don't this. think so. Well, where I'm looking, I'm scrubbing. You scrub away. Best part I is. Think- it's it's very it does break the fourth wall, but it's because of the overtop nature of the whole thing. It it totally works. I I don't have a problem with it. You know, Crystal Skull. It's like why were they breaking the fourth wall yeah, with these? You don't think you don't guts. think they were justified? No, it it, it wasn't ants. over the top like this one. This one is perfect, and then is it's like punctuation on top of that scene as all the police are strategizing about what they need to do because it's a murder scene, and and one of them they're all dressed in like frontier days western wear except for the one guy who has actually dressed as super, as Spider Man right. with the Spider Man face paint. That's so awesome! <laughs> it's it is really brilliant. <sighs> Uh, okay, so what stuff. else do we know about this movie, uh, about the making of this film? Where do you um, want to go from here? Where do we well, want to go Well, you know, here? the casting well, is actually great. Let, yeah, let's talk, talk about, about the casting. casting. Casting is impeccable in this, uh, especially if you know British film and yeah. British, British film history and you have a sense as to who a lot of these people are because there's a lot of like powerhouse British people in it. How did, yeah, I mean, you want to say, and that was the problem I had. You want to say like, how did they get him and him? And right. uh, and and if you don't actually know, you know, if you aren't familiar with British film, it, it it's hard to make that comparison. The one that, that um, you know, that immediately jumps out to me is Jim Broadbent, um, who, as I understand it, said, you know, he was, he actually was such a fan of Shaun of the Dead that he actually called Edgar Wright and said, I'd like to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's he's fantastic as yeah, he's, uh, he's the great, great inspector Frank Butterman. Yeah. Uh, who else stands out to you? Um, well, just I mean, you can go down the list. I mean, Patty Considine as as one of the Andes. I mean, he's just he's one of my favorites. Uh, you know, ever since in America, I th- I just I've yeah. always loved him. But then, uh, well, let's let's take it chunk by chunk. So, talking about the Metropolitan Police Service, you got Martin Freeman, Steve Coogan, Bill Nye, 
And then uh, surprise cameo of Kate Blanchett in there. Which Kate is... Blanchett as the um, as the Soco scene yeah. of the crime officer, who's who remains a, masked the, the mask. Yes. <laughs> well, just, and um, uh, Peter Jackson. Well, and Peter Jackson as as uh, Father Santa. Christmas Santa. Yeah. Stabbing him in the hand in his little tiny cameo is just <laughs> just fantastic. So so some good uh, some good cameos. So that so that's great. And then you have you know people living in town like Stephen Merchant, who's who's um, works with Ricky Gervais on all of the uh, like the Office, and he actually also starred in Extras as Terrific. his manager. He's just, one of my that, very favorite comic actors. I just always think of him and that little pen with the little naked lady. And when you turn it over, <laughs> I don't, that's the the one thing that I always picture with him for some reason. And then he gives it to Robert De Niro or something. It's just so silly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and then, uh, most importantly, you've got the Neighborhood Watch Alliance, you know, headed up by none other than the Daltonator. Oh, Tim. Uh, is he just not the best? He is like, fantastic. Timothy uh, Dalton. Uh, can I just say, Mister Pricklepants? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I uh, good old Timothy Dalton. I just love him. He's just he's great in everything he does. Well, and interestingly, it was the you know the part. This was a part that was written for him before they knew they could do it. Yeah. Um, uh, he's he ends up being perfect and and doesn't die. No, and that's one of the the best things about that ending is it's just so horrific. <laughs> it's just, oh. oh, I just walk out of there in so much pain after watching him and his spill. At the it end. is. It's one of like, the most oh. painful, uh, painful ways to, to see anybody suffer. And, and when, <laughs> to, to hear him speak, if you haven't seen the movie, you really should, because really this is, it's sort of pointless to even have this conversation, yeah. but well, he, he falls on a, on a miniature steeple, a steeple of a miniature version of the cathedral in town. And, and the, the spire of this, uh, <laughs> tur of the cathedral, uh, actually goes up, uh, up his, through his chin, uh, up uh, through his jaw and out his mouth. Uh, and so he's left with this horrific underbite. And, and, like, and there's oh. giant six inch spikes sticking out of his mouth uh, like a like a tusk and he is he's impaled on it oh and oh this really hurts <laughs> it's one uh. of the, the most uh terrible things to watch a former 007 have to deal with <laughs> but it's oh it's just great i don't so care he, what you thought of his of the living daylights that's no way to treat a 007 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but God, he's just, isn't he perfect in this? Like from the moment he appears, he's like, arrest me. <laughs> they, arrest me. I'm a slasher. I'm a slasher. <laughs> a slasher of prices. Oh, he's so over the top. And uh, him with that mustache is just, uh, it's just fantastic. I love it. So you can't get enough of him. And then you've got Edward Woodward. All who right. is in, in The Wicker Man, also in Breaker Morant, which is a great Australian uh, film. And he was in The Equalizer. Do you remember that show? Of course I do. Are you kidding? So that's Edward Woodward. And then you have Billy Whitelaw, who is the uh, fascist. <laughs> she, that's her from that scene, which is just always great. Oh. By the way, um, it's fascism. <laughs> that's right. But she was in uh, she was in the Omen. She was the uh, the oh, nanny. Right. She was the nanny in the Omen. And 
Um, she was in um, Twisted Nerve, that um, movie that I guess kind of had a resurgence of of uh, note when um, Kill Bill came out because of that whistling that uh, uh, what's her name Daryl Hannah does in the hall as she's going in the the music by um, Edward Herman not Edward Herman. Um, that's the actor Bernard Herman, the <laughs> you know that little whistling mm-hmm, tune mm-hmm. that's twisted nerve, and so that's kind of the little uh the little bit about that um but anyway, just going down the list, like Stuart Wilson is in it, he was in um uh like he was in he's he's always like a great bad guy, he was in lethal weapon three as the bad guy in that mm-hmm. um mask of Zorro. And, um, you know, just all these great guys. And did you notice there's um, Peter White? <laughs> yes, I, believe me, I noticed. Yes, of course you noticed that. So, <laughs> Yeah, Peter White, but I I had not... Uh, actually, Peter White... Uh, no, I didn't really recognize Peter White when I saw this one. I, no, I should now. He's He's been in a lot of stuff. Um, some Pride of, and Prejudice. Um, but he was in Babel. Uh, yeah, so he's been in a few of Mike film. Lee's films, so... Yeah. Um, you know, he's out there. He's yeah. not as known as some of those other ones. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a fantastic cast. You know, it's just a group of wonderful, wonderful people to be in this film and just really make a great, great cop story and a great group of villains. Yes, truly. Um, the when you when you first. Well, so the con- I feel like we need to just remind folks of the concept uh, because you can kind of get lost in the mystery of the murders and and the gore and the funny and not remember what the movie's actually about. So the the whole concept is that this uh, the the neighborhood watch alliance um, they actually uh, run a um, it's sort of a cult where they get together around a giant stone table and <laughs> wear dark robes. And uh, what they end up doing is anybody who makes trouble in the town, uh, rather than, uh, you know, report it as a crime, they kill the perpetrator and stash their body in a, in a mass grave. And call it an accident. And the they call it was an accident. accident. That's right. All because they want to remain the, the best village. <laughs> That's right. The best village this, with the, the lowest crime rate. It's for the greater good. Yes, it's the all greater for the good. greater good. The greater good. Uh, but when he first, um, when Nick Angel first, you know, sort of rounds the corner behind the the garden where the table is, and is watching them, and the they they come to order, and the first order of business is to talk about, you know, some banal neighborhood baby naming kind of gossip, which, which were named after the uh, lead characters in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, you know, the, I didn't the catch two babies. That. I didn't even catch that. Roger and uh, and uh, Martin. That's fantastic. So yeah. See, I didn't even catch that. I thought it was Roger Moore that they were talking about. Yeah, no, it's uh... and Martin Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, enough funny. out of me. Uh, okay, so there's uh, so I, we're finished talking about the Neighborhood Watch Alliance cast, but then the Metropolitan Police Service. We already talked about uh, Martin Freeman, the great. Uh, Martin Freeman, 
uh, and Bill Nye again. Uh, you know, again, for, we talked about him last week with uh, Shaun of the Dead. He was he's terrific in this one. Um, and that it, whole one of the things with, I with love, the, yeah, just, the the scene in the beginning where he says, "Can yeah. I talk to the inspector?" And they the way they do. Uh, the way they cut those transitions with the phone, picking up the phone to them sliding into the desk is brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. And that's one of the things that I think is interesting about this movie and the way it was edited. I'm, I'm sort of skipping the Stanford residence, but uh, the way it was cut, the way they chose to uh, pass time, right? There were a lot of opportunities in this movie to to get long-winded about the passage of time. Right. And they did it again with the same with that that same style of rapid fire kind of, um, you know, a few quick, quick, quick cuts uh, to show, you know, whole days go by yeah. uh, and suddenly move you from one point to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they do that really artfully well. Yeah, that's something I mean, even in Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright just really has it down as far as doing those series of shots to to get something happening like the train journey from from London to Sanford, uh, Stanford, Sanford, where you just watch the phone bars disappearing. Just that whole series, which lasts, I don't know, probably, you know, 10, 20 seconds is over so quickly, but you, you get a sense as to, oh, he's going from the city to the country. He's going from cell phone service to no right. service. You really get that all so well in that in that montage. That and it's really, all just this selection of cuts of him with his flower. His Japanese piece his lily. His Japanese piece lily and his bag. And he's either on a train depot uh, or he's in a taxi or he's in the thing. But these, these clips are, you know, barely a second. And yeah. you uh, and you end up, you know, m- moving through time and space really effectively. He does, yeah. It's very, it is very kind of Tony Scott action movie style, all of it. And it's <laughs> normally like we talked about in in Hot and Shaun of the Dead. It's the sort of thing you see when they're like getting their weapons ready, and and something is that kind of preparation montage. But it's uh, in in his films, he does it in such you know, tedious, normally tedious situations that he makes them very invigorating and fun to watch. Well, that's right, because it's not just you're you're right. I mean, it, it really isn't, you know, whatever you're watching the montage of it's a it's it's not just about um, it's not just about moving from one location to another. Right. I mean, right. really, there is a function to to, you know, when he applies this technique and, uh, you know, something when I think of Enemy of the State, for example, um, which uh, was a film I quite liked of of Tony Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, there are a lot of these really fast kind of computer jiggly monkey kind of um, clips to to kind of take the place of another sort of time and space montage. But really, it's it's just a way to see the character running from a, the the POV of a satellite. I think we're going to start calling those jiggly monkey jiggly monkeys. Okay, I, I think that you just named it. Consider it, consider it jiggly coined. monkey. He yeah. did a jiggly monkey. All right. So jiggly, <laughs> make a note. Jiggly monkey stands for Tony Scott. Transitions. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, so yeah, it's like the montage without a montage. Yeah. It's just beautiful. You need stuff. a montage. Do you remember that movie? What was that for? I, I don't know. Are what you kidding? From? Team America World Police. 
Oh, yes, yes, They yes. do a whole song that is a montage about a montage. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, go ahead. What what else did you want to talk about this? Week? Well, should we uh, jump into um, cliches? Do you want to talk all those you lovely cliches? All right. I'm all doing right. it, man. Let's, let's do it. No, you, I, I you earned all of these down. You earned it. Now, to be fair, I kind of stole all of these off of the DVD because it lists them for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I still took the time to write them myself. You and actually, <laughs> they stole them. They they found all these cliches. Like Roger Ebert has this whole thing. It's like, you know, all of the cliches that that movies that you can find in any movie. Like he's created this whole thing. You can go to his blog and you can read it. You can add cliches to it, all that sort of stuff. They went through and they found all the cliches for action films. And they they made sure that they found a way to include as many of them as they could. And so let's just start, shall I look, we? I look forward to it. Bring it. Bring it's fun. In. Okay. All right. So... Is this where it starts? Yes, I'm trying to start, trying to figure out. I did it all out of order here. Okay, so when a character has important information to impart, but arranges to do so at a later time, <laughs> they will die before they get to reveal that information. Meet me behind the church, three o'clock. <laughs> three o'clock. <laughs> And actually, that one is followed immediately by another cliche, and that is anytime someone steps up to a microphone, there will always, there will always be, be feedback. feedback. <laughs> <laughs> always, always, always. The amiable police chief. He's going to be the bad amiable guy. police chief, he'll always end up being a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, the ratio of bullets to hit or the ratio of bullets to hits is very high uh, that they hardly ever actually hit anything. That's that's pretty obvious in an action movie. The um, the pithy there's always going to be a pithy pun when the villain is dispatched or in this case, since they're not saying them, they actually talk about them. <laughs> He's like, you know, when he talks about uh, smashing uh Smashing him over the head with his peace lily, and he said, "Playtime's over." Yeah. <laughs> what was so great about that one is though it, it, is they he he's always talking about them in the in the past tense. You know, he always makes references. He says, "Oh, did you did you fire your gun up in the air and yell?" Ah, no, but I did do this other thing. <laughs> no, it's it because he he knocked him into the freezer. He's like, "Oh, did you say something cool like, like chill cool out, off or cool off?" Out. Yeah. He's like, yeah, oh, it's just great stuff. Okay, so uh, in an action film, even though they have all these weapons, you'll always end up having a mano-a-mano fight, right? <laughs> yep, every time. The, that's for every time. The major baddie is never defeated just once. They'll always come back. Right. Um, impaling in itself is a cliche. You see it in lots of, uh, lots of uh, action films. The yeah, final good one, yeah, yeah. The final boom shot when the camera, you know, in the town, and and at the end of the film, the camera booms up over the city. You see that. In this one, it's actually done before the ending, but it's over when he defeats um, uh, 
Timothy Dalton in the model village. The camera booms up over the model village. Over the village. model village, right. Yeah, yeah. And when somebody says, it's over, it's never over. <laughs> when when the the moment the the monster tactics of when somebody's escaping when you've established these creatures or some animals or whatever it is in in the city when somebody when somebody's escaping at the end there's always going to be an it's behind you moment of monster tactics and that comes up with the swan in the back seat here right which is perfect yeah uh, and then just things like you know, you're always going to have a shot in an action movie where it's a slow-mo. You've got those dramatic low angles. The wind is whipping your characters. You've got a helicopter flying over their heads. That was They're, a, that yeah, that was a fantastic Bad Boys cut. It's a great shot. I noticed you didn't, you haven't yet included outrunning explosions, but does it really count? I, I, I haven't gotten to the explosions yet. Oh, okay. I'm, okay. I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Okay. I'll come to that one. All right. Um... A character who is always resistant to change their locale at the beginning of the story, by the end of it, will have succumbed to the new locale <laughs> and will now want to stay. <laughs> We're going to need you to come back because our statistics have gotten rather squishy. <laughs> I think he says squiffy. Squiffy? Is that what he says? Maybe I think it's squiffy. All right. Okay. Um, there, there's always going to be a bonus baddie sequence. You know where the yes. character that you forgot about returns for vengeance. In this case, it's the uh, it's the guy sitting up in the little video booth up in the police station, right? Right, right. just like Die Hard. Um, <laughs> there's always going to be one of your heroes is always going to take a bullet to protect someone. Oh yeah, that's the heroic sacrifice, and which you know is a part of another cliche. Anytime a character is given a uh, an object to put in their pocket that object will always be the thing that ends up saving their life, mm -hmm. right? Here, now we're getting to the explosions. Any bomb that's featured has to go off. Well, yes. And all major characters can somehow miraculously survive a major explosion. Also dogs and any other lovable animals <laughs> like the hedgehog. That, <laughs> that is squirreling around at the end. Now, is this a variant of the uh, Hitchcock gun on the mantelpiece? I don't know what that is. That that's, was a Hitchcock thing, right? Where he says, if you introduce a um, a gun on the mantle in Act 1, by Act 3, somebody better get shot. Yeah, right. It's, right. it's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's how the whole the thing with the bomb is. When you're, right. Especially when it's a sea mine. Yeah. You got to blow it up. <laughs> a sea mine that they keep kicking over and <laughs> over again. Okay. And then, and then you've got the research cliche. You know, you've always got like the big research montage. They're trying to uncover information, right? Yeah, yeah. And then last one, and I may have covered this one. Character who realistically, oh no, this is this is in reference to the good guy. The character who realistically should have been dead is always brought back in the final scene. Oh yes, where you know, just like you know, uh, Danny Butterman, we think you know he should have been dead because he took the shot for Nick Angel, but. Yeah. You know, they trick you at the end, and yet he's still he's still alive, just like they do in like L.A. Confidential or things right, like that. Right. So there, there's a big old list of cliches. Let's see. Uh, so we didn't have any. There, there was no reason at any point to hide a body. No. All right. Uh, so that was not one. 
Uh, but there was some yelling while shooting. That's yeah, one I think that's that's important. They they, they do they well, call they that bring one up. Out. They yeah they call out some very specific cliches like yeah sh- screaming while they're shooting up in the air, diving through the air, shooting two guns. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> all those other great cliches that they they use so well, and that's why I think I love the movie so much is because they. They, they're not just using the cliches to make an over-the-top action movie. They're using the cliches to point out the cliches in all the other over-the-top action movies, right. but doing it in such a loving way that you just can't help but love the fact that they're doing it. How does this movie hold up in 10 years? It was made in 2007. Where do we stand? Let's just say where do we stand in, in, uh, in 2020? I think I'll still love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't, I can't stop watching it. It's just, it's the one that I always will put in. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's funny. It's funnier now that we've talked about it. Yeah. It's so it's funny. A, you know why, you know what it satisfies for me? Mm. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> it's a Scooby-Doo adventure complete with the hooded cloaked villains. Right. Right. Yeah. And it does no, kind of good. have that feel of like pulling off the mask to reveal different bad guys, you know. Totally. Yeah. Totally. No, it's it's good. Uh it's a great movie. It's totally worthy of being on our list of of movies we like. Uh, uh closing thoughts? Uh what do you what do you have to add? I I mean I think I pretty much have covered it. I I yeah. mean it's just for me it was just uh so much fun to watch and I've just loved it all the time I, I just i've always loved it it's just great um i did i did just i was reading flipping through my notes and i saw a funny little note here um they they picked a couple names for their police officers uh particularly andy which is i guess why i wrote this note down um there's actually a disproportionate number of officers like real police officers in england who are named andy <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that strange? <laughs> that is, uh, well, it's totally appropriate. You could so have been I, a police officer. I guess if I grew up in England, maybe I would have had a totally different career. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yep. Hey, you know, I wanted to add, I did start watching Spaced this week. We didn't talk oh. about this in the beginning, but Spaced was the sitcom that that was, um, that, that all these guys really came from. Um, right. Uh, you know, and and um, it takes a little while to get into it, and then then it's it's sort of hard to put down. Uh, it's That's it's good, it's very funny, uh, uh, but but some of the jokes I feel like I don't get just because I'm not a Brit. Mm. It's it's really pretty hardcore. Gotcha. Uh, but very funny, and and there's just it's very emotional. Simon Pegg is great. Yeah. Uh, so now, as always, I I really I can't wait for the next Star Trek. I think his his Scotty is legendary already. Well, and he was great in Mission Impossible, like three and four. He was fantastic. I'm glad his role was boosted up quite a bit in the fourth one. Oh, my gosh. See, yeah. now I haven't seen the fourth one yet. Oh, so good. And I had forgotten that he was actually in three. This makes me want to go watch three again. Yeah. Those are the only two worth watching. That's not even true. It's so true. It's just that the, it's just that the first one, well, the second one is not worth watching. The first one is now vintage. It, well, it's, okay. Which means it's in its awkward stage of age. It's aging. Brian De Palma. It and is. I, I give it that. There's there are a lot of good qualities about it. So, but there are there's a there's a lot not to like about that Brian De Palma. He's had a, he's had his stinkers, but he is always trying to do something interesting with his films. 
Is that what they call that? Is that what that's? <laughs> All right. Are we uh, are we coming clean with what we're doing next week? Uh, I don't know because uh, there's no there's no third Cornetto movie that'll have to come later. That's right. It will. Uh, hey, random tidbit of information. All right. Did you know that they adapted Point Break into an off Broadway show? I did not know that. They it was titled Point Break Live, <gasps> where every night a new Johnny Utah was picked from the audience and given cue cards to read. <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. Are you kidding? Oh, isn't that awesome? I did not know that. I know. Oh, the world of things I don't know. I I really would love to go see that. I don't know if it's still running. You could have pulled off Johnny so. Utah. They were trying to make it a, uh, uh, you know, what's it called? What's the other kind of live show from a movie that is uh, with the sweet transvestite? Rocky oh, Horror. Kind of Rocky Horror yeah, type kind of, of thing. Rocky Horror thing. Yeah. Yeah. You need some musical numbers to pull that off. You I do. Think. And Point Break, the musical live show with a guest playing Johnny Utah doesn't quite do it as well. <laughs> <laughs> it, gets, it gets long trying to explain that. Yeah, it does. It's a little tricky. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, been a, it's been a real treat. We're not going to come clean about what comes next. Nope. People can guess it'll be a surprise it'll be a surprise and uh man good talk yes you, indeed uh, yes indeed sir catch you next week all right all right bring in the fuzz i've been podcasting since 2006 in that time i've tried countless hosting platforms but in august 2022 we switched to transistor to power all of our shows here at true story fm and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>